HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by EscapeMaker.com. Visit a farm. Escape through the net. Visit EscapeMaker.com for more. Hey, what's up? This is Jack Inslee, host of Full Service Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this show, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, July 22nd. This is the 72nd episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is an award-winning writer and the editor-in-chief of a major glossy food magazine, and I will introduce him in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip, then later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to have a sense of urgency. Understand deadlines and when time is of essence. In PR, it's important to know what information a media outlet needs and by when. Meeting deadlines and following through is essential to getting results. So establish a sense of urgency, and yes, timing is everything. That's my tip today. Now, I'm really thrilled to have my guest here. It is Adam Sachs. He is the editor-in-chief of Sever, a magazine honoring and celebrating real food made by real people around the globe. Adam is a three-time James Beard Journalism Award winner, and he most recently served as editorial director at Tasting Table. He has been writing about food for more than 15 years, including pieces in Condé Nast Traveler, GQ, Bon Appetit, Food and Wine, and more. Welcome, Adam. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Nice to have you. And I was thinking, so I've known you quite a long time through the industry. It's true. But I never asked or maybe found <laughs> out how you got into writing, and particularly, particularly writing about food. Right. Yeah, I, I moved to New York uh, about a year after graduating from college with a English major and no idea what I wanted to do, except I had some vague idea that it should have to do with words. And I didn't really know where or how. And 
Uh, I, I wasn't sure if that was going to be in book publishing or magazines or newspapers. And I just sort of luckily stumbled into magazines where you can do really fascinating stuff and it changes every day and you can sort of follow your passions and and pick a strange subject like eating and wandering around the world and eating and drinking and uh, make a strange career of it. So it was more writing that came first and then you kind of fell more into the food world. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, obviously I've always eaten. I've always enjoyed eating. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I could do a little, I could stand to do a little less of it these days um, for health reasons. But um, I, uh, and then if you had asked me in college or, you know, directly after if I wanted to be a food writer, I would have asked what, what is that and how to, you know, who does that and what, what does that look like? I was, you know, this was a different, uh, different era and different media landscape. And then, uh, food. There wasn't. There weren't food blogs. There wasn't as much sort of interest and fascination around chefs and restaurants and, and TV. Um, so yeah, I wanted to write about things and I wanted to go out and interview people and do what you're doing and ask people what they do for a living and what they what their days look like. And um, I fell into writing about restaurants and it was sort of my first beat and it was a way to write about New York and the sport of restaurants and it's you know a lens through which to see the city. And then I think like a lot of people, at some point, I decided or f realized that I like food more than I like restaurants. I love restaurants, but I like the idea of finding out where this food came from and what it's like to work with it or what the, where the ingredients come from or what are the traditions behind it. And so that involved uh, tricking editors into sending me places, putting me on planes to go, uh, go eat somewhere else. Like where? What was an exciting <laughs> trip you had that you wrote about? They're all exciting. I mean, I, this is, it's, that's a total cop out. But the truth is, if, you, if if I'm on a plane or you know headed to the airport and I'm going somewhere that I either haven't been or haven't been in a while, or I'm going to eat at a restaurant that I'm excited about, or interview a chef or some sort of producer of something that that I'm someone I'm excited to meet or a dish I'm excited to sort of. Uh, explore and discover i get really excited i i'm i am the least jaded person possible to do this because i i, I get i don't know i get excited every time but um i was lucky i i, I accidentally so we're skipping over lots of stages here but uh, <laughs> that's okay it's only but, 45 minutes okay but. well you can have me back <laughs> episode 73 74 um, Be happy to great uh but no at some point um i was uh i started uh, doing a lot of freelance writing and um and I would do food stories that were sort of secretly travel stories and travel stories that were secretly food stories. And it was all, uh, you know, one way or another of, of getting people to, to put me on planes, places to go wander around and eat. But I, I, uh, you asked, where, where, did I, where did I like? Where, <laughs> it's hard to narrow down. Um, That's okay. You could be, I mean, I know from, I, I mean, I've, I've read your work many times and you're such a, you're a terrific writer. Thank I mean, you. it's inspiring because when I read your your work, I'm like, I think, oh, I'm not that great of a writer. Like, <laughs> I'm okay, but like, you, you, I was, I was, well, to jump to the Savar magazine, I just read the yeah. one you wrote on, um, Lummy. Yeah. You I wanted it to, right. well, nice. I read, you said it was like, rhymes like yummy. Tummy. Yeah. Tummy. Yeah. Yeah. No, because I want to say Lumi. <laughs> Yeah, Lumi. It's that's the natural yeah. seeming way to say it. Yeah, that that's a perfect example of something that, you know, I'd met uh, this young chef named Blaine Wetzel. Um, I'd met him at a uh, 
an event called Jalinas in uh, Ghent, uh, Belgium, a couple of years ago, and he was this young guy who had worked at Nomo for a little while, and he went back to his home state of Washington, and he found himself on this tiny little island, Lummi, which is part of the San Juan Islands, and he was planning on staying for half a year, maybe. It was a job just to get him back home. And he fell in love with this little island and, and, and the bounty of it and the beauty of it. And he has this little restaurant in an old inn called Willow's Inn. And that's the story where I was really excited to go. I was also really nervous because I had already met him and liked him. And I had, you know, pitched this story to myself and assigned it to myself. So I was there. <laughs> I was there. Good to know the chief. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, it and it would have been a terrible uh, bummer and very awkward if I'd gotten there and the you know the food hadn't been up to snuff. But let, happily, it was it was really a, a great is a great place. Um, but yeah, it's a long way to go, but it's a fascinating little restaurant. Yeah, I had heard of it, and it, your article just further uh, enhanced that I want to go there and visit because I met him briefly at the Beard Awards oh, this yeah. year. And so you said the the Super nice guy. the Galenese event in Ghent. Is that the Galenies that just did the Galenese yeah. shuffle? I think it's pronounced Jalinas. Oh, Jalinas. Like, I'm saying it it's wrong. It's like Lummi or Savur. You can say it anyway. I like People will know what you're talking about. I was about. very uh, happy your name is Adam Sachs. It's, it's an easy one for me. I've had <laughs> on some guests. I've like stumble on the name. Um, um, thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> especially the first name. It's pretty simple. Another bonus. Um, it's actually Adam Sachs. Oh, right oh, I'm sorry. Adam I'll Sanche. get that. Yeah. Get that right. Uh, yeah, he's a super nice guy. So you met him in Chicago. I met him briefly, like at the after parties of the Beard Awards. Yeah. And um, yeah, he was super nice. And it just it seems like such a cool place. And it what is. he's doing is. I don't, and it, and also it sounded like, wow, what a different atmosphere than New York City and the hustle and bustle yeah. that's happening here. It no, just seemed like a very a different world. chilled lifestyle. Yeah. It's the, I mean, it's chill and then it's also intense because it's a small staff and he, you know, he's very involved in uh, not just the, uh, how the stuff is farmed, but really, you know, working with his farmers who work for him for the restaurant about talking about, you know, what to grow and how to grow it and, and what's going to work best there and, and thinking about his menu, you know, a season a ahead in terms of what they're planting and what, what he can do with it. So it's it's definitely relaxed and there are bald eagles circling overhead and you can hear the water everywhere on the island and it's beautiful, but he works pretty hard out there. I, I imagine. <laughs> So getting back to your switch from back to me, back to you, because you did you were freelance for a very long time. And I think being a freelance writer, it's a hustle, you know, it's a terrible for all you kids out there, <laughs> parents of children, do not let them grow up to be freelance writers. No, it's it was very lucky. It's a wonderful thing to do. Uh, I did, definitely did not mean to do it. I, I was a staff writer at GQ for about five years. And I got sort of pressured to leave, not quite. I didn't stick around long enough to get fired, but that probably would have happened. And so I found myself freelancing, and I thought, much like Blaine Wetzelet, uh, Willow's in, thinking I'd do that for a few months until I figured out the next gig. And the first story I did was this still probably to date the craziest story. I did, there, you know, there are these around-the-world tickets you can get that airlines, airline alliances have. So um, I always wanted to do that. Yeah. There, so I, I think the rules have changed a little bit, and you might not be able to do quite what I did. But I, I went with the One World Alliance, so it was American and a bunch of other airlines. And I sort of 
spent hours on the phone with these specialists uh, at the airlines who just booked these tickets because they're incredibly arcane and complex, and there are many rules about which direction you can go and how many stops per continent, and you add a little bit more. And I sort of just well, – the, the mandate was to max out one of these tickets. So I had this – and this was – there was an actual paper ticket that was – I'm not going to say the size of a phone book, but it's probably the size of a of a magazine on a good month. There's a lot of pages, and um, I went. I think it was so it was one ticket, and I traveled for two and a half months, and I, I went to about 20 different countries, and it was the most insane. It was for a Condé Nast traveler, and I should have just quit and gone to medical school afterwards or something because it was the ultimate travel freelance story that you know, everything after sort of paled in comparison. <laughs> I'm like speechless because I'm jealous, and I think that's amazing you did that. Because it was a good, it was a good, yeah, it was a good beginning introduction to travel writing. Even in, in that, it was amazing, and that it made me completely broke and uh, and exhausted. And but yeah, I packed one bag, and I was, you know, in the snow in um, Helsinki, and I was riding horseback by the pyramids uh in cairo and i was on uh i was on easter island and i was in tokyo and it was just all sort of a very strange thing to do all in one trip so it was a it was a good initiation into travel writing which again leaves you usually sort of dizzy and jet lagged and broke and inspired so you were writing as you went no that was the crazy thing it was <laughs> this was sort of right on the cusp of when print the print side of magazines were they had websites, but they weren't really talking to their websites. So there were different, distinct staffs, and there were digital cameras, but they weren't in our phones. And so I was taking lots of pictures, but they were actual film pictures. This is dating myself, um, and uh, and it was all for one story at the end that I wrote. Oh, one, wow. yeah, yeah. This is it's a this is not your typical nope. uh, freelance assignment. Well, I've I've been just naturally started traveling by myself solo and i decided to pitch the idea to pavia fathom and i've now written a couple articles on this solo travel i've done that just kind of came naturally but it's one of those it changes how i think now when i'm traveling if i'm thinking well maybe there's a story here or maybe i should pitch it and i'm really doing publicist radio host (laughs) and so the writing thing on the side is hard so so how do you find like what's your writing time or how do you work like what's the Uh, process that's awful the process is awful the process is (laughs) always feeling like it's never gonna you know there's it's it's like those those uh disclaimers at the ad at the end of um financial advertisements that you know past performance is no guarantee of future uh, games or something <laughs> i always feel like just the fact that i've managed to get in turn in and somehow get through the rest of the articles doesn't mean that it's going to save me this time i always feel like i'm not going to you know finish in time or you're talking about deadlines uh that's certainly a, a, a horrible fact of life for freelancers um yeah i i don't i don't have a process i don't know i just sort of sit around until something comes up well, I hate to say it sounds refreshing to me <laughs> because I think it's writing's hard, yeah. and I, I I know other writers say this too. And but I always think people like you don't find it hard. Our system, no, <laughs> I don't. I don't believe that when people say they find it easy. I mean, that's not true. Some people just write differently than I do. Also, I, I do think I think travel writing, and you know this from from experience, is it's a different uh, breed of writing. It's a different experience than. 
if you're writing a proper news story or if you're doing a Q&A or an interview with something, someone. I mean, travel writing, I described this before, as travel writing is essentially fiction that happens to be true. So it's a story about something, but it, the world doesn't necessarily need to know what you did this summer or if you liked <laughs> Lisbon or wherever you traveled to or how your dinner was. Yes, you know, it's they not do. Bra- it's, <laughs> they do. It's, uh, it's not breaking news, and there's not necessarily a kind of built-in... Uh, narrative arc you know you you could go to pick a random city pick paris and i could go to paris and we would we would have vastly different experiences uh potentially and so where does that story begin and end and what's the action of the story and who who do you meet along the way and what's the tone and so i i think i think part of my struggle with writing other than it's just always hard is that uh these stories are just kind of they're stories and so they're they're not there's not some uh built-in kind of uh engine for them where they have to start somewhere with a with a a, a normal beginning middle and end you think like a writer <laughs> 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 okay we're gonna take a break here and come back so stay with us this is all in the industry on heritage radio network Visit a farm. Log on to escapemaker.com for more ideas on local weekend getaways and day trips, including orchards, farms, and wineries. Or come by Escape Maker's Yellow Tent in Grow NYC's Green Markets and pick up a guide to local agritourism escapes to the Green Market's own farmers and producers. The guide will be updated seasonally to feature farms, wineries, and destinations in New York City, New York State, New Jersey, Vermont, and Pennsylvania. Plus, Escape Maker will offer overnight packages to these destinations so you can get the full experience. No car? No problem. Escape Maker features plenty of ideas for car-free getaways, including discounts via Amtrak. There's no better time to explore outside the city. Soak up the fresh air and scenery like a butterfly and support your local farmer. Log on to escapemaker.com to get inspired and make your escape through the net. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Adam Sachs. He's the editor-in-chief of Sever Magazine. So let's talk about Sever. You joined... A year ago-ish? as uh, Not even. No, I joined in about November. Okay. And then if you add in the holidays and just sort of finding my way, somehow it seems like it hasn't been very long, but it's well, been a few months now. And, and what's it been like coming in and, and uh, leading this ma- beautiful magazine? Thank <laughs> you for bringing me the summer issue. Of course. Because the grill issue I went through, I, I was telling you before the show, like now someone needs to invite me over to grill. <laughs> Well, I can invite you. You're looking at me, so I'll okay. invite you over to grill. Oh, I wasn't meaning to put pressure, but um, um, yeah. yeah, no, it's it, it is the season, and the new issue is is sort of continues the season. So there's some great looking uh, tomato and mint and red onion salad on the cover. Look for it on newsstand soon. But um, no, it, it's great. I mean, for me, it is the dream job. It's it's the ideal job because it is. 
Savur is a magazine about following food to its sorts. It's a f- food magazine, but it's a travel magazine, and it's the two things that I love. And I did them as a writer, to, not to exhaustion, not to the point where I didn't have any other places I wanted to go. There are tons of places I wanted, I haven't been and want to go. But um, it's really exciting for me to have a chance to uh, direct it a certain way and work with great writers and work with great editors and photographers and uh, web editors and all the all the sort of collaborative aspects of, of figuring out each month what should go in a magazine and every day what should be up on our website. So it's it, to me, it's it's a great challenge and very, very exciting. And of course, if you ask me, all I start to think is I start to sweat and think about all the things we need to do and I'm going <laughs> to run back to the office and send a thousand emails. But um, no, it's it's been great fun and, and it's a real... Um, honestly, it's a real honor to be involved in this magazine that means so much to to people in this industry and to people who uh, love food and love to cook. Um, it's been fun just to have you know strangers come up to me and tell me about how you know they have the first issue or the issue that someone gave them, and it's one of the reasons they got into cooking. Or they save all their issues, and their wife wants them to get, you know, get it out and move it to the garage or something with it. It's a it's a magazine that people have a lot of passion for and feelings about, and uh, it's a. Uh, a lot of responsibility to be sort of you know one of the stewards of that but it's it's very exciting it is it's a beautiful magazine thank you and and when i was doing my intro and i was calling it a, a glossy food magazine i was realizing it's it's more than food i think maybe i mean it's always i think known for travel but even on the website you have uh there's more going on than just food and recipes yeah we um you know we relaunched our website in may and uh obviously still a work in progress but i think it's looking nice and it is well thank you (laughs) (laughs) no it's searching for a compliment there and i got one you you did Um, but well deserved compliment (laughs) thanks um but uh yeah we I, i think in addition to kind of streamlining the look and feel of it one of the things we wanted to do with the uh, with the uh, redesign is to find a way to focus on all the various aspects of what people are into if you're into food and travel. And so that's hard, and it's hard to fit all that into nine issues a year for the print product. Um, but online, it makes sense, I think, to really go deeper on certain aspects of travel or home and design. Um, I think our reader travels a lot uh is very serious about the you know the food and what they're what they're eating what they're drinking when they travel and also bringing that home and and sort of having a story to what they cook with and what they serve things on and you know there's there are stories behind the recipes but there's also maybe a story behind this bowl you bought somewhere on vacation or the look and feel you want in your kitchen so it's a sort of the website is meant to kind of address this this broader world of of what the server reader is into Got it. Now, what's changed with the magazine recently? Because I did notice the size. You did? Okay. So, yeah, you're, you. I thought it was going to get, you know, some mail. I could definitely get mail. I made the uh, the rookie decision to put my actual uh, email in one of my editor's letters and ask for feedback. And I certainly got some feedback, some of it <laughs> positive, some a little more personal and negative than I would have imagined our nice readers would send me, but I guess if you ask for it, people will people will send it. So one one nice lady found my home address and sent me a, a note, um, which was interesting. I don't know how yeah. she figured out where it where wasn't I live. from me. No, I don't even no, know no, your no. home address. I'm, yeah, I'll, I, 
if you need it, I'll tell you. When you come over for the barbecue. <laughs> okay, oh, yeah. great. It's not a need to do Fabulous. Um, yeah, so we, uh, you're referring to the, we, it's the same height, but we shrunk the width by about, I think it's only about an, it's about an inch or less. So um, some of that is obviously cost savings, but also I felt like it was, it was a little bit of an unwieldy size. Um, and I like to, I think one of the pleasures of print is that you bring it with you and you, you know, I roll a little, roll them up and, and bring them on the subway or, uh, read them in the elevator or wherever at lunch or wherever I can. And so it just, this felt like a little bit more of a, a streamlined kind of modern, modern size. But what do you think? Does it seem radically different or? No, it doesn't. And I don't even know if I would have noticed if I didn't have an old issue but i did have an old issue because i am a publicist (laughs) (laughs) well that i was i was very keen on or very very uh sure that we kept the height the Mm -hmm. same so if you start if you have a collection i didn't want it to look like we were throwing off the aesthetics of your of your of your uh, whole uh collection but yeah if you stack them on top of each other you notice the difference yeah and actually it stacks better with the other magazines if you have a lot of magazines so I'm all for it. I would not send you any hate email, <laughs> and you, you shouldn't get Thank that you. anyway. <laughs> okay, so last week I had on the amazing team from Heritage Radio Network, and they all I asked them to ask you questions. So I oh, have okay. three questions. Okay, excellent. And they're great questions. Are they here? Um, Jack is here. Okay. Jack is is Hi, Jack. my engineer a lot. A lot. Hi, Jack, Jack Inslee. So if I have a follow up question for Jack, or yeah, if I yeah. need to try to look Jack in the eye, we can do that. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, so Jack Inslee, the executive producer here, he asked, who is your reader? What do they look like? What do they do? Interesting. Well, I think, you know, it's probably hard to generalize about all readers, Jack. Um, but, you know, there probably some of them are here in the courtyard at, at uh, Roberta's. Are we allowed to say where, where we are? We are I'm allowed. Gonna, I'm allowed to we, give out your address. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, you can find um, us here <laughs> live now. I, I think... I think, you know, uh, our reader is someone who loves to travel, loves to cook. You know, some of a lot of our readers are in the industry. A lot of them just they're, they they like to eat and drink and know where their food comes from. I think they're people who really like a story. I mean, I think one thing that Silver has always been known for and I hope it always will be known for is for real reads. You know, we we like to let the writers go deep if they, if there's something to go deep on and when we have you know this when we when we can get the space for them to go deep um but there's real narrative and there's real sort of you know they go on quests and they get into things and they geek out about things and i think that is a reflection i hope that's a reflection of our readers uh readers interests but i mean in terms of actual demographics yeah they they are uh they they love to travel and they love to eat and uh they remodel their house and they're obsessed with food stuff and so yeah it's people we know i was i was saying that's me until you got to the remodel the house part yeah, same here. i was gonna say i think i think it's just me <laughs> it's jack i'm holding up a mirror to jack right now jack you are a reader excellent okay question number two executive director aaron fairbanks asked asked how does food photography change for the magazine in a day day and age when everyone is Instagramming and has a camera. So what are you bringing to the table that's new or different? And is there a tongue-in-cheek celebration around posting a photo from someone's iPhone? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I think in some ways the the explosion of, I mean, the, the, the uh, techni- technological leaps in the quality of 
what we can all do with our cam- or what other people can do with their iPhones. I don't understand how people get such great pictures. Mine are always smudged and blurry and dark. And those aren't look, bad. Uh, I've seen yours. <laughs> they, they they need some massaging. But other people take beautiful pictures, and I think I, I think in some ways it, it's helped um, all of us in food media and print food media in particular to maybe lighten up a little bit and add a little more real life vibrancy to the shots i think if you you know if your instagram feed is full of fun sort of real things there are bottles on the table there's maybe not everything's perfect but it's it, it looks like fun and and then i think if you if the pictures in print were sort of too prim you know they would seem a little boring by comparison so i, I think the influence has been good i do think they're they do slightly different you know uh they they serve different uh tasks or different needs i mean i think a a food picture that's that has a recipe attached has to be clear in some way it has to show you what what is in the dish it has to stop you know it should stop you on the page and make you want to look at it and make you hungry and it should be delicious but it also has to have a practical sort of side where it 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 can't be just all about the composition and the color it has to be clear like what are the what are the ingredients and is this something you can make and is the whatever's you know on top of it or on the side of it is that really in the recipe so i i think there's food photography that's you know from the travel stories and the travel log stuff that probably is that does take some of the uh, spirit of, of a lot of the of the better you know Instagram food Instagram stuff. But um, I think uh, recipe shots still have to be a little bit more composed and, and, and thought through than than some of the, the the social media shots. That makes sense. I have a follow up question to yeah. that. When you were when you go on trips, like I saw, there was a photographer that credited to your story on yeah. Lummy. So did you go there together or separately? So that, How does that work? That one, it kind of depends on the story. Um, most travel writing I've done in my career um, for various, I wrote a lot for Connie Nast Traveler and then after that uh, for a long time for Travel and Leisure and various other, mag- and Bon Appetit and I shouldn't mention Bon Appetit. I don't know if they're still in business, but yeah. I that, it what's was, Bon Appetit? I, was, I don't remember. I don't know. Um, but uh, it's a... Uh, um, they usually I would go and then produce some sort of uh, shot list, and then they would send a photographer afterwards. the The exceptions to that were things that were sort of about uh, an experience that you sort of wanted to capture the exact same. Either it was one off experience, so you know you're going with a chef somewhere, and they weren't going to send the chef back, you know, right. uh, again, or you're going on you know safari or something, and you want to. It's just cost effective, and and you want to the pictures to line up with exactly what the writer saw but mostly if it's sort of a, a culinary guide to a city or a wine region story or just your, your kind of general food and travel story um it would usually make sense to uh to have the writer go sort of weed through you know pick out the places that were, were worthy or that you know they were going to include uh in their story and then have the photographer go back to a sort of more limited a list of places having said that at silver we do have we sometimes send a photographer with the writer and sometimes that's about the relationship between the two and they pitch it together or it just seems like good <laughs> fun we have I, there's a great writer named adam golner uh who just came back uh who did a story in chablis for a couple uh, uh issues ago with a photographer named william hereford and they liked working with each other with, with each other so much and we liked their stuff so much that they just went off to Sicily. And so I think sometimes you can have a great kind of 
you know, buddy working relationship with a photographer. And sometimes the needs of the photographer are, are very different. They're waiting for the light or they're taking 200 shots of, you know, the same setup of a recipe and the writer is on to the, you know, three bars down the, down the block. Got it. So it varies. Yeah. Okay. Last question from Deputy Director Allison Hamlin. She wanted to know, what do you think the 18 to 24-year-old audience is going to look like in 10 years, and how will Sever adapt to meet their needs as a print publication? Well, they'll be 10 years older, so they'll, <laughs> so they'll, be... they'll have bags under their eyes and slightly <laughs> Not yet. That's like around 20 the years. edges. And, um, so meaning, just so I understand the joking aside, meaning what will the 18 to 24 old year, 24 year olds of the future be? Or what will these 18 today's 18 to 24 year olds look like 10 years from I now? I think she's asking about the, the, the kids today, the kids. today. <laughs> Don't get me started on the kids today. <laughs> the kids today when they're, you know, 10 years from now, when yeah. they're around 30 ish, yeah. uh, you know, how will, or will Sever do you think have to adapt anyway to their needs? Would you think, think you know as a different generation yeah. you think there will be a need for that well i i think you know ideally we, we the magazine and the the brand in general adapt as we go naturally and um but i think you know i saw some study somewhere that um some amazing number and i'm blanking on the actual number but some amazing percentage of millennials self-identify as kind of foodies and food nerds and and it was way more than you know certainly than uh the number that would have when i was eight between yeah. 18 and 24 no i'm not surprised um, by that and so i think we're you know i think we're severe uh, is is a brand that's well poised to kind of meet their interests because they'll still be into food hopefully and they'll uh, maybe have a little bit more money to actually go out and travel and um and eat in these places and 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 uh and they'll be you know, ready to, I don't know, be interested in, in whatever the sort of uh, food zeitgeist of the moment is, and hopefully Super will be there covering it. Great. I think you answered all three of those <laughs> wonderful, and, you know, they were tough questions. So. They were. They were, yeah. they were nice all questions. Right. <laughs> okay. We're going to take another break here, and we're going to come back. We're going to do my speed round game and talk some industry news. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Hi, I'm Harold McGee. HeritageRadioNetwork.org is a nonprofit organization, which means they depend on the support of listeners like you and like me. The best way you can support this program and others like it is to visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org, as I have, and click the Donate button to become a member today, as I have. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support. Okay, we're back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Adam Sachs. It is time for my speed round game. Okay. What this is, is I name two things and you pick your preference. Oh, okay. That's it. Do I have to say it really speedily or? As speedily as okay. possible. Is there a bell that's going to go off if no I don't? No bell. Okay. No bell, but. Um, what do we win for the caller at home? You win a conversation with me. Um, 
about industry news okay. and and my father now keeps score oh. and I don't know what okay. he's doing with these scores but he, he he's into oh, the game goodness. so that made me nervous yeah. okay yeah. all right he has his own system he I don't know it's all all teddy bear <laughs> okay your father's name is teddy bear my dad's name is theodore theodore okay. my last name is bayer got it got it. yeah okay. yeah nice i know i love that he's That's probably nice. blushing right now okay so here we go eat in or eat out Ah, uh, i okay speed uh in, <laughs> in in should i elaborate or is that does that slow it down if you feel you need to elaborate, feel free. I, I, my my game does not have rules or any scoring. Okay, all right, Teddy, you'll let me know if I have uh, messed this up. Um, I, I obviously I like to eat out and eat in, but I love I love cooking for friends. I love being cooked for by friends. I love. I think you can. I don't know. You can put all that. I don't know. There's just you can you can get into the ingredients and and there's just something very intimate about um, serving people and and. It's fun to be be at home, and you can drink all the wine you want, and you don't have to worry about getting a taxi home. All good reasons. Yeah. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Yes, please. Oh, all of the... uh, I don't want a mocktail, I don't think. (laughs) Can I have... I'll have the rest. Okay. Tasting menu or a la carte? Uh, so, uh, these, these are these are not speed questions. These are traps. These are slow <laughs> questions. These are questions that this is a good game. Like I have to give you the slow food of answers. Um, I'm definitely not ranking. I'm not going to do well on this. I. <laughs> it just depends, right? So a, a a a chef who shouldn't be doing a tasting menu or who takes advantage of your of, of the of the of the you know. Um, uh, that you're there and just sort of drags it out and it can be terrible or if you're not in the mood or you have somewhere to go but it can be a wonderful experience um, so I would just try to little, figure out where I am and then make a decision in a slow way life's not a, sp- a speed round Jay. life is not a speed round um, well sometimes. I don't know sometimes right? yeah okay see how you do on these how about <laughs> <laughs> small plates or large plates uh, It depends. (laughs) No, I just think the thing about small plates is that they're not all small and it gets aggravating. And I don't want to know what size plate it is. I like one thing I love about Estella is that is they don't focus on the size of the plate. It's just you can kind of get a hint from where it is in the menu or how much it is, um, what kind of impact it's going to have. But you just order what you want and it all sort of works itself out. I love it. I have okay. the slowest answers to this. It's speed great. Round. Communal table or chef's counter? Oh, it's like the worst of both worlds. I um, really you don't I like don't either. No, I don't like communal tables uh, because you just uh, what if you get stuck in the middle and then you have to talk and what if you I don't know what if you had <laughs> too much caffeine and you have to stretch out and people are around you and you're listening to them and um, and then chef's table where you're actually like sort of facing so I, I mean I would take chef's table okay because at least they're the show right they, they're they professionals and they're good to watch the the communal you don't know what you're going to get that's my choice I mean communal you're a no nice, I'm a, oh, yeah, I'm a okay. chef's counter also because yeah. I go out a lot by myself and it's a great place for a solo yeah. diner to sit because you have entertainment. I love a bar. I would. Yeah. I prefer bar eating at a bar to almost anything. So chef's table, if it's more like a bar, yeah. I thought maybe you meant like like a room by itself somewhere, and you got to be lectured, and there's a whole <laughs> thing. I'll add there. that in there. I'm just Communal trying to make table, my answer chef's this. counter, or lecture room. <laughs> lecture room. <laughs> Solitary confinement. Okay, a couple more. 
tipping or all-inclusive charge. Oh. All, uh, are there all-inclusive charges? Nowadays there are. Really? It's, well, like like Alinea. Oh, oh. I haven't been to Alinea. Oh. Okay, well, but you've heard of it. I have. <laughs> yeah. I would hope I so. have, but that's free. You don't have to add anything to that. Um, well, whether I, you prefer to leave a tip or just have, you know, it, it just pay one price and don't have to tip. I, I haven't experienced the pay one price, but I like that because I don't like to have to think about it. I think that's part of the... You know, the allure of like Uber that it's you just walk out and somehow you don't have to get right. filthy with your change okay. and money and rounding up. And I'm bad at math. Um, so that yeah, you're you're all inclusive yeah. print or online magazines. No, come on. This is that you, uh, you can't you oh. can't say that. I mean, you have to have there's <laughs> you can't have I spend my whole day fighting against the division between those two that there's. No, that I think any reader, and I'll try to say this really quickly. Um, but and no, any any reader these days, myself included, I love print, but I use the the digital uh, versions of of magazines totally differently. So I I would like to sit in a hammock and read Savour, but when it comes time to make this beautiful tomato and red onion and mint uh, salad we have in the cover, I'll probably be in line at the supermarket and or the, sorry, the farmer's market and, uh, <laughs> and, um, and uh, you know, look it up on my phone. And, and uh, so I think you use both. They're, they're, they're different parts of the same. Okay. Same Adam Rappaport, friend or rival? Oh, well, both, but he's a good friend. I mean, I've known, he, he owes his, when you have him on, you can confirm this, and this could be the subject of your entire show, but he owes his entire career to me, so he, you know, he, I, he, he first wrote for me when I was at Time Out, and then he took my job when I left, and then he came, he followed me to GQ, and no, he's, he's a good friend, he's been a, he's been a nice friend and editor of mine for a long time, and both at GQ and at Bon App, so, yeah, friend, but of course, right. you know, like to be a little bit of a well, now I now I know what my pitch is to him to come on the show <laughs> okay two this more. is edited right this isn't live no right. not okay. live okay yeah. two more cheese plate or dessert uh depends where I am <laughs> I like I'm really bad at speed ran I like both it depends how big a meal I've had beforehand um I like cheese I love cheese but I don't always want a huge selection of it I like a, I like a curated cheese plate you know a little like a little bit of this a little bit of that and something not too sweet to drink with it. Okay. Manhattan or Brooklyn? That's the final one. Cocktail or place to live? However you would like to define it. Uh, Manhattan cocktail. Uh, I like living in Brooklyn. I, 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 uh, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Manhattan cocktail while... while in Brooklyn. While in yeah. Brooklyn. Perfect. Okay. Please, it's trying to please everybody. That is That was the best slow round game I've had <laughs> on the show, by the way. Do you, norm- you normally ask... 36 questions but you only got No, that was that was that was the list. Oh, okay. I mean, I throw in a few special okay. ones for you. Um, but typically I, I ask a lot of the same ones. You always ask about Adam Rapport friend or foe? No, that was that was a special <laughs> okay. one for you. That was tailored. Okay. Yes, yes, absolutely. But maybe I will in the future. <laughs> okay, so we're, we're, well, that took that did take a while, but well, let's talk a little industry <laughs> news here. So, well, I had two things. I had the New York Times, uh, how Pete Wells gave two stars to George Mendes's place Lupolo in Chelsea. Yeah, which um, I did solo dining there. I had a great time. It's Have a you- cool place. Yeah, we had a. I hope I invited. We had a party there. No. For, uh, you but were out of town. I was out of. I, t- yeah. I was. I was out of town. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a cool place. I I looked at Pete's review. I didn't read it all, but 
it looked like it was pretty positive. It was, and I'm very happy for George. His yeah. criticism was uh, it was noisy, and it was something about the reservation system oh, or, that he yeah, didn't like. Yeah. But beyond that, he loved the food. Yeah. So it was very positive. Yeah, the stuff I tasted there is great, and it's... And it's uh, and you just reminded me it's really near our office, so I'm going to go there. Yeah, soon. well, that's it, it. It's a great location for a lot of things, like right. by Madison Square Park. Right. right, you know, it's kind of so. Yeah. And then the last, the other article I had was in. So this Austin. isn't part of the speed round. I'm not supposed no, to this, say. Yes no, 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 okay. no, no. Well, George Mendes or Pete Wells? No, yeah. I like both of them. Okay. Well, you're. Well, we. I don't know. This could be a new way to do my industry news as as speed round form. I think yeah. For the confused guests. Okay, so I'll try it on this. So okay. this Robert Simonson wrote, your new favorite bar inside your old favorite bar, basically talking how this trend has become hidden bars within speakeasy bars. Oh, so a hidden are, bar we, within a hidden are bar. we hidden bar or no hidden bar? I don't know. How do you know it's the most hidden bar? What if you're only, you know, one bar in and there's a, there's a third bar that you, they haven't told you about? Then yeah, well, this article, these article, these these ones he cited aren't hidden anymore. That's so, right. Yeah. So I'm not going to say which they are because I want them to try to remain Stay hidden. Because if like, that's their thing, I like the as long as yeah, if we're if we're picking something, I, I like a hidden bar. I like a bar where you can manage the crap, where it's not too, where you're not going to get an elbow in your back. Yeah. And I, a hidden bar is cool if yeah. if you find out about it. Yeah, exactly. If you don't find out about it, then it can be sad. Or maybe it doesn't hurt you because you don't you don't know about it. <laughs> there could be hidden bars right now here. There probably are. There probably bars. are. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. One more break. We're going to come back and do my solo dining experience. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience, which this week is at Yakitori Toto. Here's the rundown. The location, 251 West 56th Street in Midtown Manhattan. The concept, upstairs Japanese yakitori spot transporting diners to Tokyo via grilled skewers and a bustling scene. Why did I go? Because I was hungry after seeing Larry David's Broadway show, Fish in the Dark, and I love this spot, which I was passing on my way home. My experience. I ventured up Yakitori's long staircase around 1045, and it was good timing as seats were becoming available. I was seated at the counter around the grill and given the large menu to choose from. Service was friendly, yet to the point. What did I get? As a starter, tuna and avocado, then Yakitori all the way. I had chicken thigh, chicken meatball, pork and scallion, and shishito peppers. It was a little feast, and everything came out pretty fast, so I was happy. My take. There's a reason this place is known as one of the best yakitori spots in the city. Everything was tasty and such a good value. I loved the chicken meatball the best. The scene, a mix of Asians and Americans. 
Perfect for solo diners as it's mostly counter seating, but there are some tables in the back for larger groups. Interesting tidbit, it is open weekday lunch and late at till midnight or 1 a.m. on weekends, so chefs love this place. Apparently, Anthony Bourdain is a big fan. Now, personal fun fact, speaking of Bourdain, I hit up another one of his favorite places this week, Takashi. I was there also solo. This is a West Village beef-centric Japanese-Korean barbecue restaurant, and I indulged in yuki, which is beef tartar with quail egg, and kalbi, Kobe beef short rib. It was delicious. Now, the cost at Yakitori Toto was $24, not including tax and tip. Would I go back? Absolutely. Their website is totonyc.com. I'm assuming you've been there. I have, but now I want to go back. That was nice. <laughs> Thank you. And Yakitori Solo is nice because there's usually a bar. You're sitting at a bar, and there's action, and you don't have to answer a lot of questions from a, from a waiter. And you get to eat both of the skewers when they come. You don't have to share them with someone. Or if it's just one skewer, you don't well, have to share Well, a lot of these someone. were just one. Yeah. But, but, no, it's true. It's it's really is, kind of, I mean, designed a lot of the dishes for solo. Yeah, it's good. Or, you know, it scales up with it to yeah. the number of people you have. And value-wise, I think it's just, I mean, I felt, you know, I, I mean, I had a, a fair amount of little dishes and I spent $24. It wasn't pretty good. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. And you didn't have to share. And I didn't have to share. <laughs> <laughs> if you were with me, though, I would have shared. Oh, thank you. I probably would have eaten more than my share, and you wouldn't be so friendly to me today. Ah, uh, nah, I doubt it. Okay, it's time for the final question. Oh, okay. Is this a speed round, or should I? <laughs> speed round is over. Okay. This is, this is where I ask you to ask a question for my guest next week. Okay. So, I'm having on Morgan Tucker. She is the senior account executive at Little M. Tucker, which is a division of M. Tucker and Singer Equipment Company. They are the largest food service distributor on the East Coast. So, she she does tabletop. Okay. As the the summary. Little M. Tucker. Little M. Tucker is her division of this larger Tucker. Is it all small plates? I will ask her that. That could be my question. No, okay. That could be your question. I do. I do not think okay. that it is. Ask her. Uh, I'm going to well, ask her that. Okay. You can, you can give me another one. Give me more of a hint about what she. Do. It's hard for me to know what to ask her. Um, it's a they. She. I think she, actually. I think Lupolo is one of her clients. She does the tabletop, the plateware, the oh, okay. the the supplies for okay. for I have, restaurants. I have a question for her. Okay. Okay. Is there a middle ground between, I have complex issues with soup, I don't know how much time we have, but is there a middle ground between (laughs) the giant, the big, big bowl of soup where it takes you like about six long seconds to get your soup spoon from the edge into the middle and you just feel like you have way too much soup and the little like shooter, you know, little coffee demitasse of, of soup. Is there like a middle ground for a nice soup bowl that feels a little bit more like a bowl but isn't? too small or too big and i don't if that's don't, no. and not don't be a yes or no answer so be specific i will find out maybe get some places where th- if there are these perfect size okay. soup bowls good no because now i'm sitting here visualizing soup bowls and it's a good question some are too big and some are too small it's like You're goldilocks just right <laughs> yeah okay so that was 45 minutes when it was 48, 48 minutes. 48 minutes. Yeah, we go over a little Sorry, here at, at, on my show. but They can speed it up and, and post. Yeah, maybe. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. This was great. 
Yeah, no, it was really great having you on the show, and congratulations on all of your success, all Thank of your you awards, being the editor-in-chief at Severa. It's all really amazing accomplishments. Thank you so much. That's very nice to see you. Thanks. Well, I mean it. Okay, so I've been talking to Adam Sachs. He's the editor-in-chief at Sever. Their website is Sever.com. Their parent company is BonnierCorp.com. Am I saying that right? Corp. Yeah, Bonnier. no, it's Bonnier. Okay, Bonnier. Bonnier. Yeah, okay. a Swedish-owned a Swedish family-owned fam- family oh, Swedish company. Good to know. Yeah. On social media, you can find him at Saxmo, at SeverMag, and at Bonnier Corp. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry, and my website's BayerPolarRelations.com. Now, I wanted to let you, we have a new little outro here. So I want to thank my engineer, Liz Smith. Today's thank you, Liz. break, yeah, she's awesome. Today's break music was provided by Knife Show, and the show's theme song is Broke Down by the California Honey Drops. I also want to thank all my listeners for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends to sub- subscribe to the show on iTunes or feel free to get in touch with us at heritageradionetwork.org. Next up, we have a teaser clip of Chef Marco Canera sharing some snack hacks on the food scene, another great show that you can find here on Heritage Radio Network. So I'm Sherry Bayer. This has been All in the Industry. Thanks again. Thanks, Adam. And uh, you. see you next week. See you soon. Bye. There's so much misinformation out there, and and everybody thinks that eating well needs to be uh, surrounded with deprivation, and it's like it's not deprivation at all. Like I'm a I'm a fucking hedonist. Chef Marco Canora shares some snack hacks on episode 226 of the Food Scene, hosted by Michael Harlan Turkel. I love food. I eat food like crazy. I don't need to be hungry to eat food. It is just like a huge part of my life. And, you know, a lot of people are afraid of this idea of eating well because they think that you turn your back on all that stuff. And no, it doesn't mean you turn your back on loving food. It just means you have to educate yourself and think differently about it. So when you think of popcorn, do you instantly think, oh, that's fiber. That's going to clear me out. Um, Yeah, you know, yes, I think about popcorn and then I say... Well, let's make sure I put the right fat on it, and and let's make sure, you know, I'm getting a good quality popcorn that's not some kind of highly mass-produced GMO popcorn, and then it's great popcorn, and I'll grate some really good pecorino cheese on it and put a boatload of uh, black pepper on it and put a big hunk of really good grass-fed butter on it and some nice sea salt. And, man, it's fucking delicious, decadent popcorn that I could eat a tub of it until I'm sick. And I'm not going to feel so bad about it, right? Because of you now, kachu e pepeing something is like a yeah. verb in our house. <laughs> right. We always have that hunk of pecorino. This was an excerpt from episode 226 of The Food Scene, hosted by Michael Harlan Turkel. Did you like it? The Food Scene episodes are available on our website or on iTunes. Dig in for more. This piece was brought to you by Bonnie Plants, bonnieplants.com. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. 
Thanks for listening.